Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday, the 1st of October, 2023. Extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Who are you? Who am I? I'm the bloke whose TARDIS you've just materialised inside. Who are you? I'm more to the point. Well, not more to the point, adjacent to the point. How did you get in here? Your TARDIS? Mine, yeah. This is my TARDIS. And who might you be when you're at home? Oh, hang on. Don't tell me. I'm the doctor. Greetings to you! I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. In a few moments, Benji and I will be chatting to Lisa Bowman, better known to you all as Bernice Summerfield. Hello, Lisa. Hello, both. Lovely to have you here. And you too, and also, and sadly, not for the listeners, seeing you in glorious Technicolor on my computer screens. <laughs> Frightening. Terrifying. Fri- terrifying, but I didn't like to say Sorry about that. <laughs> well, we'll get over to having a lovely old chinwag with you in a minute, Lisa. Uh, after that, uh, we'll be, uh, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of Unit Brave New World Seabird 1. Seabird 1 to Seabird 2, come in, over. Let me go behind the scenes with Doctor Who, Time Lord Immemorial, which is uh, the latest instalment of Once and Future, our 60th anniversary Doctor Who extravaganza, this month featuring Christopher Eccleston and David Warner. Christopher Eccleston playing the Doctor. And I'm... Robert Powell, and I'm playing Time Lord Immemorial. Following that, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, bursting at the seams with listener goodness. Then we chat with Lisa about her favourite Benny moments, the legacy of Bernie Summerfield, and perhaps into what the future holds for our favourite futuristic archaeologist with a complicated relationship history. Then the Randomoids Electrotron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. The actual featured release is a secret, even from us. What? But here's a miraculous flash forward clue. Oh, you're sure, Doctor. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15 minute drama tease. And this week it's from Once and Future. Time Lord Immemorial by Lisa McMullen. Humanoid. A Sandman? Maybe. No, more like a golem. I think it's trying to say something. What's up, Sandy? Mouth a bit dry? Yep, got that. Anything else? The sands of time. What does that mean? Go on, spit it out. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Hello. As many listeners will know, Bernice Summerfield was the beginning of Big Finish on audio. How would you describe her and her series? I mean, given... Maybe there's someone listening who doesn't know anything about it. I I think that's highly unlikely. uh, 25 years and a mere three seconds. Um, She is, if you did not know, originally the companion uh, created for the Seventh Doctor in the New Adventures novels. And she is a 26th century archaeologist from the planet Della, although she is human. And from Earth, I get very confused about these things. And <laughs> uh, and she she uh, she has certain similarities uh, with somebody you might know, but she uh, is an archaeologist. She has a diary. She knows the Doctor, and she uh, is very human. Uh, I think that's uh, safe to say. She she's she's great fun, but she has a very firm moral outlook on life. Um, she's uh, intelligent. 
but she uh, has a sense of humour, which she uses usually to escape um, terrible uh, foes and monsters. And over the years, she's uh, been in various guises. She's been on the Braxitar collection. She's been at university. She's been in an alternative universe. She's been just about everywhere. I think she's even had clones, which is usually what happens. <laughs> it, does. it happened to me this it morning. Does. It's very disturbing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that your birthday clone, Nick? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, it is my birthday today. Fair. Yes, it is your birthday, which we shall be referring to on several occasions. Um, uh, oh, because you, you of know, your extreme seniority. Yes, exactly. We don't want, when you don't want to know. I didn't realise it was my birthday until um, uh, yesterday evening, by the way. And wow. then my wife said to me, should we, should we do a lunch? And I said, why, why? I'm doing the podcast. I can't do it. And she said, well, because it's your birthday. I went, oh, God, so it is. <laughs> it's I always love that. When a, birth, when a birthday falls on a Friday, that is just the best because you get the full weekend experience to in, in yeah. fully indulge yourself. Yeah. Yes, we do yeah. record on a Friday, folks. So John Ainsworth yeah. said to me, well, just take the day off. I said, I can't. I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> oh, very, very industrious and very good. And Bernice would be very impressed going back to subject in hand. Well, um, indeed. I mean, I, I feel the story's been told a million times before, but um, could you tell me how it all came about for you? <laughs> oh, looks. Now, there seems to be some contention about this because uh, I, I did a, a video years ago called I Was a Doctor Who Monster. Oh, yes. Because, indeed, I was a Doctor Who monster uh, back in the day. I was. Uh, Which one? For a couple of I was Kara, the cheetah woman in uh, in uh, Survival, which was, of course, the last broadcast of the classic series back in 89. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was interviewed uh, for real-time a video by a gentleman called Gary Russell uh, about being a monster. And about, I can't remember how long it was after that, my friend Mike Tucker, who had happened to be one of the visual effects designers on on survival, rang me and said, listen, you do a lot of radio, don't you? And I said, well, yes, I do. And they said, well, there's this company that's starting up and they're they're thinking of doing some audios with this character called Bernie Summerfield. And uh, frankly, it went in here and out the other, to be honest. I, I said, oh, right, yeah, fine. And they said, well, they're quite interested in you playing it. I thought, oh, right, fine. And then it went really quiet uh, for quite a few months. And I... Um, I thought nothing of it. In fact, I'd forgotten her name altogether. And then my friend Stephen Fuel, who happened to be in a, a tour at the time, um, I think I must have mentioned it to somebody at some point or another, said to me, are you, are you playing Bernie Summerfield? I'd, I'd gone to see him in a play and I said, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, that's her name. Yes, I can't remember. But possibly. He said, oh my God, she's an icon. You've got to play her. Anyway, cut to a phone call saying, please come and audition for Bernie Summerfield. Oh. I thought, mm, right, excuse me. <laughs> so I, I didn't realise it had happened like this. is the first time I've yeah. heard of this. Yeah. And so I, I had a call because, I mean, it's a dreadful thing to assume that you've already got plot because, as I have said, on very many numerous occasions, I got the impression that it was a b- bunch of fanboys in the front room of the Casio recorder. And I thought, okay. So I went to audition at a gentleman uh, called Nick Briggs front room <laughs> and I walked in to be faced by Jason Hay Gallery, Gary Russell and Mr Nicholas Briggs with a microphone now I thought it was an uplighter you said it was a broomstick it might have been a hoover who knows well, yeah, we don't know it was stuck to something inappropriate and I thought well this is encouraging I've done BBC radio you radio you know what is this and oh, I read dear. some of the script from oh no it isn't and I thought oh okay actually it's quite good fun and then I thought nothing of it 
And then I just went sign and then they said, I've got the part. And I literally thought that it was going to take two weeks. I didn't tell my agent. I thought, well, it's just a funny little project, isn't it? You know. And then, uh, as you probably know, we all turned up to an extremely glamorous studio in a basement oh, in Elephant and Castle. Oh, God. It had a certain whiff, shall we say. Yeah. Intergalactic <laughs> and, uh, arts, it was called. It, uh, is that what it was called? That, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. It yeah. might have been intergalactic <laughs> farts, to be honest, but um, anyway. <laughs> who knows it what it was. It was, was. <laughs> came from the moth-eaten cat, you know. Anyway, we all turned, we all rolled up to this place. And there was one, I think it was one mic in the middle of a very big room. And I thought, oh, for God's sake, what is this? And dear old Alistair Locke sitting in a corner with a dat machine. And um, I thought, it's going to sound rubbish. Anyway, I, I did it. And impressive cast. Whole pile turned up. I thought, crikey, it's Nick, Nick Courtney. He played the Brigadier. This is very exciting. <laughs> and then, uh, and then somebody called, I've never heard of him. Didn't know what no, happened no, to him. No, but anyway, I don't think he was famous fact, then, was he? No, he, well, the funny thing was in the pub afterwards, I think he just finished something. He said, oh, I've just finished you know, doing this thing for BBC Two. I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. What's it called? And he said, well, well, you know, watch out for it. It's, it's going to be called, uh, well, it is called uh, The League of Gentlemen. And I went, oh, well, I'll look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Went up, apparently it went terribly, but you know you have to try, don't you? Uh, so anyway, uh, we 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 all recorded. I really thought it was going to sound a bit rubbish, but what of course you didn't realise is that Alistair Locke was very good, even in those early days of digital recording, because I wasn't used to that. I was used to a, a spot effects lady and you know lots of people with numbered scripts and goodness knows what else, and bring your hard bottom shoes. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, the I got the. Oh, all of that. But having, having said that, I've just done the archers and they still record like that. So that yeah, is, yeah. it's a bit like a, a, th- a throwback. Anyway, That's amazing. Um, it was I know, it really was crikey. I haven't done this. I'd love to do stuff like that, but it just would cost so much. The studio time. Would just... Oh, yeah. I, I know, and also it is, you know, I, I mean, no disrespect to the archers because it was great fun and they're, and they're wonderful. But I mean, I, I did two 12 minute episodes uh, on one day. Now, if I'd been doing it, and I'm sure if you'd been doing it, we'd have finished by lunchtime. Easily. But I didn't finish till after six. I'm thinking, oh, blimey. <laughs> how is this taking? So anyway, no, that 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 was everybody works their own way. I'm I'm not yes. going to Well the BBC that. way is is based on the fact that radio drama started as live and they've never well, exactly. really got over that well, mindset, you know. I, I, I think I think uh, I mean this is di- diverging the subject, but um I, I think to some extent, um that that is true, but there, there are some audio dramas that that aren't made like that because you know you invariably bump into some of the BBC guys at Sandhouse. So you know there, but I think it's probably yes. to do with the editing process because I think a heck of a lot of do- is done in situ. Um, yes, from, yes, from what exactly I can gather, and, you know, that, or I think a very short lines, session you know. that is booked. Yeah. that's quite often what has happened at the BBC. You know, you have ah. an editor for two days. Yeah. And so the producer goes in and you, so you have to present them with something that's more or less finished and they just yeah. finesse it. Whereas, uh, of course, absolutely. we have a completely different approach where we say, mm. look, we've recorded all this stuff, higgledy-piggledy, there's people coughing and falling over in between. Just, gra- <laughs> just grab all the dialogue and turn this into something beautiful. You've got three months. Off you go. Yeah, you know, it, that's it's very... It's, it's the medium as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. You know, with something like the Archers, it's very, it is analog in its essence, and yeah, it's, you know, it's absolutely. people doing the washing up and, and yeah. you know, things like that. Whereas yeah. for us, it's all, you know, lasers and spaceships. Yeah. So it's a, uh, uh, and also, you know, in a way, it's designed to listen in a different way. You know, you can do your ironing and listen to the Archers, but yeah. you know, it takes 
it, you can really put some effort into well, that sounds awful actually <laughs> you don't need to put effort into listening to kind of uh, big finish because actually it's it is a much more cinematic much more i don't know it, it's more it's of an experience isn't it? it's an it's immersive thing. yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly it exactly it i mean you can immerse yourself in archers my goodness me i thought doctor who fans were enthusiastic until i script up on archers fans oh my goodness <laughs> oh you don't want to dip into that it's been going even longer i mean when was the archers yeah. first broadcast on bbc radio 4 uh, or what, what just... was it called then a different no, it was still called the Archers. It took over from Dick No, no, Barton's I meant special. BBC Radio 4. I wonder whether oh, it was it called was, the Home Service. Oh, it was the Home Service. Yeah, no, yeah. I think the Home Service was Radio 3, actually, I think. Oh, OK. Or 2. Oh, no, 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 no. I, don't, I think you're right. I think maybe maybe it was the Home, home Service. Home Service was replaced by BBC Radio 4. Ah. Oh, it was. Yeah. There we go. Ah, the man looked up very quickly. Very good. The youngster um, here uses the internet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that whole thing. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's way past its sixtieth. I think it's uh, it's in fact it's just celebrated something ridiculous, like its two hundred and tenth thousandth episode. I think it was pictures wow. all over the internet about wow. it last week. I know it is extraordinary. The, I mean, the it facts is that I always find interesting about the arches is that. Um, because in this country, you know, post-war, the BBC television service was established. And mm. then there was this upstart in the 50s, ITV, oh, uh, the, the independent television network, which was funded by advertising, which was anathema to the establishment at that time. Absolutely. And the way the BBC <clears throat> combated the launch of um, ITV was to deliberately kill off a character... Oh, was that Grace Archer? Yeah, they the killed barn? her off on the yeah. day that ITV launched. Wow. And so <laughs> I didn't realise yeah, that. And the press basically didn't notice ITV launching because <gasps> everyone was talking about Grace Archer get, being joking. burnt to death in a barn or whatever it was. Oh and so ITV God. had to shut down and reopen again the next day. That's Gosh. extraordinary. Gosh, I did that's a- incredible. I did. I did a very str- quite a few years ago. I did a live version of Dick Barton Special Agent, which was originally oh, uh, for, yes. for um, BBC uh, Audio Go, which sadly uh, collapsed the moment the audio came out. Which was classic. classic yeah. well, what it did was you tr- do? Uh, well, I know what did we do? But we were interviewed by the uh, local. We, we we've um, recorded it on stage in Leicester with uh, Tim Bentinck playing oh, and Terry yeah. Malloy. Yeah. Uh, it was it was Barnaby Barnaby Edwards, was involved, Edwards yeah, yeah, Nick Scoville, um and, and myself. And um, we were interviewed by the local uh, television crew. And of course, uh, Tim has played and and and. and uh, Terry. Terry at that point had both been in the Archers for about forty years. I mean, that yeah. long, and and uh, there he was, you know, playing Dick Barton. They said, "Well, what would you prefer? Would you like, you know, David Archer or Dick Barton?" They all said Dick Barton. I was great fun. It was great fun. Of course, but, Terry uh, Malloy played a character called Mike Tucker, didn't he? As he well. did. Just I know. It with your friend Mike Tucker. circular <laughs> movement of things, isn't it strange? Uh, <laughs> very, very odd. But um, I'm obviously going back now to the longevity of Bernice mm. is is that you know we, we've the, the series itself has gone through so many uh, obviously different guises different universes different stages different producers and the one thing that I think has been wonderful is that she hasn't stayed the same I mean there's there's obviously a crux to her character but there's been genuine character development and I think uh, as far as I can tell from, from from people who enjoy it, it is is that they like spending time with her, with the character yes. that, that Paul Cornell has created. Yes. And you know, and I, I think that makes an enormous amount of difference because you have to like a character in order to stay with them that long. Um, I, I, I do have a, a couple of 
weird things because I, I know it's niche. I'm aware it's niche. Even after 25 years, it's niche. But not as niche as I thought it was because I've just done my first telly uh, in ages. And I, I was in Manchester and I, I went up, you know, a couple of episodes, not a big part. And um, I walked into the set and all the, you know, cast their crew there. And I, I walked in and uh, this guy turned around to me and said, one of the crew, you're Bernie Summerfield and you're an icon. <laughs> How do you know that? And it turns oh, out he was going And then uh, and another case, uh, only a couple of weeks beforehand, I was taken by my agent with a few of us, his clients, to see a, a drama school end of term show. And we were talking to some of the students afterwards about you know careers and experiences and all that sort of thing. And uh, there was a girl sweeping up one of the stage managers, quite a young girl um, behind, you know, doing all this sort of stuff. And when we'd finished, she came up to me and she said, did you say big finish? And I went, yes. She goes, are you, are, are you Benny Summerfield? Went, yes. And he went, oh my God. She said, my father's brought me up on Benny Summerfield. Can we have a selfie? And I said, th- I, I can't. I mean, I, I, I'm obviously, it's been going a long time, but I still enjoy those moments to think that actually people do you know yeah, and and, yeah. And, a diff- and and not just one generation you know it's it, it's it's ex- extraordinary and also i mean and i think this goes for all big finish audios is the extraordinary well i suppose we've been lucky the extraordinary growth of audio generally over the last few years but also the fact that the spread of this is international i mean mm. we ha- i mean there are there are fans in South Korea and Russia and South America and France and and it's and and this is the second third language I mean this is what's so extraordinary and for that um, I think we should all be very proud and happy yeah well I'm (laughs) proud happy and grateful that you know you you what you created was the bedrock of Big Finish you know it's it's no secret that you know we went to the BBC in 1996, or rather Jason Haig Ellery and Gary Russell went to the BBC in 1996, and and said, look, we can do Doctor Who audio drama, and they said, no, 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 the um, the TV series is going to come back again. There's this big TV movie, and we're going to do oh, that. Oh, that's so yes, of course. So. Someone, I think it was possibly Jason, maybe Gary, I don't know, came up with the idea of proving to the BBC. Also, we were unproven, so proving to the BBC we could do it. Uh, so that's why. I think it must have been Gary's idea. Let's get a license to do Bernice mm. Summerfield because she'd spun off into her own novels when Virgin that was because lost of the na- license. Yeah, it was 1996 again, wasn't it? Yeah. Because of the, uh, the the McGann stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, absolutely. and it was basically you uh, gave us the credibility to do Doctor Who because we were able to go in with a series and say, look, and you know, and the strong leading performance. It's a huge thing. If you know, we could have done all the tricks and the bells and whistles with technology, but if the person playing Bernie Summerfield just said, "Hello, I'm Bernie Summerfield. <laughs> I'm full of charisma, and you will like spending time with me," that that would just not work, would it? Really? So it was a charismatic, brilliant performance, and it showed that we knew what we were doing to cast it right, get the right people. Mm. So you know, it is the reason we got Doctor Who. But I also think it was very clever of whoever to to land on that character, yeah, to make a definitely. decision. To land well, on that character, well, I, I mean, regardless was, of I reckon I that was it Gary, not, but know? I could be wrong. I mean, Jason could be listening to his gr- grinding his teeth. <laughs> like, that was day. my idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll never know the truth. Um, <laughs> uh, also, about spending time with someone—that's the other thing I, I w- would like to compliment you on. That uh, fans enjoy spending time with you 
at conventions as well. Oh. You're, you're always a really popular guest. You know, when we were doing regular big finish days, I always say, we've got to get Lisa in because everyone <laughs> loves her. And there's always a huge queue and you're always engaging and chatting to people. I mean, you're well, a nice, polite, middle-class woman and you know how to speak to people, don't you? That's the bottom line. I think, I think it's the word is gratitude, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, in any actor's life, you know this, Nick, in any actor's life, the fact that, that you can play a part that you can actually have direct engagement with the people that you are telling the stories to yes. is 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 unusual i mean obviously you meet various people if you're doing plays or you know the telly you know um when i was doing casualty all those years ago because i was playing a sympathetic character you're always getting letters from people going oh let me tell you my problems you know and uh, <laughs> it's like i was a medical person no it's not gonna happen um but but with bernice i th- i think she the character that paul created has engaged um character wise has engaged with people uh, with listeners extraordinarily and I think what also and it's a bit like although it's a slightly different parallel with Jago and Lightfoot if you create good characters in the first place and writers understand those characters I think mm. let's be honest you know it's not just Paul who's written for you know it's all the writers over the years and yeah. all the producers who've written and, and understood that 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 the crux of who she is and who she was and also I mean let's Let's be honest. I mean, she she ticks every box in terms of. I think it was Simon Gary who was talking about the Bechdel test. You know, um, you know, she she is her own boss. You know, yeah, regardless yeah. of everything else that happens around her. And there's there's it, it's not a polemic. It's just she she just is who she is. She gets on with it. I mean, which is pretty much my philosophy anyway. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, take the compliment because it is. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's to do with the kind of person you are. Uh, which is a good thing that people do enjoy meeting you. I mean, because we've probably all got secret stories that we're not going to tell now of meeting people who who are famous or you know have yeah, a notoriety and, and yeah, yeah, and we and mm. you come away dissatisfied. I know that never happens when people meet you because I've seen it. I've sat next to you. I've observed <laughs> it from a distance, and I've seen how popular you are. So I just wanted to thank you for Aww. that because it's well, a real it's you. a real gift, and it's and it's um it's it's lovely for us. Thank you very much. I think the thing as well, you know, when you've got when you've got something like you know Bernice Summerfield, which has which has lasted for such a long time, we forget it's it's you know that people it becomes almost a routine for people to to listen to these things regularly. becomes She's almost a comfort, I think, to to certainly. I remember, you know, when I've been at conventions with you, to see the outpouring of love for you and also for the character and and what yeah. and what she means to people. Mm. Um, is, is something uh, like you. I think you you hit the nail on the head with unique. It's a unique thing. Yeah, it, and and she 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 seems to appeal across the board, which is what's so good to to you know whatever demographic you like to to say, whether it be men, women, gay, straight, by every, everybody. She she appeals to everybody, and that is the character. That is that is you know, and and also thanks to the producers who have understood that. Yes, and yeah. and not sort of decided. Oh, I'm a new producer. I'm going to take her in a completely different direction. I mean, to be honest, I I, I don't normally say much about input about what direction they want to take the character. I mean, the only thing I have said over the years is don't give her too many gags, don't make her too uh, jocular because she just becomes really boring. <laughs> it's really irritating yeah, yeah. when she jokes too much, you know. And she only uses that really at the right times to have the maximum effect. 
Um, well, I hope yes. anyway. I mean, um, I hate people who mess around and say silly things, don't you, Benji? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't socialise with I don't them. Know. I don't, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll have nothing to do with them. <laughs> I'm a very serious person. Of course you are. <laughs> I did say, by the way, just to talk about myself for a moment. Of course. Um, uh, someone once asked Jamie Anderson um, about, they said, God, you work with Nick Briggs. I mean, that's really sort of serious sort of. A, and he said, well, he's a little bit like... Um, a teenager who's slightly intoxicated. <laughs> That's his description of what it was like working with me. I thought, oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's not the truth, of course. The truth is true. No, 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 no. But it's just like, I mean, what, what's so extraordinary is when Bernice uh, obviously came out and then the year later when you got the licence... I mean, for a start, I thought, well, that's bye-bye Bernice. I mean, that's like, you know, you guys have got your holy grail. And I was sort of delighted for you. I would say sort of delighted for you because I thought that was the end of my, you know, my yeah, employment yeah. for a year. You know, and um, but to see you guys who have been, you love that subject so much. It's it's actually getting people who have got the ability, but who love the subject, and they have a certain yes. guardianship to it. And I thought it, it was it was rather wonderful. And bless you, kept kept her on. Kept well, I think you know, particularly Jason and Gary were extremely. They're extremely loyal people. Gary in particular, loyalty is everything to Gary. And he really wanted, and you know, he got you, he got Bernice into a Doctor Who adventure pretty quickly, as quickly he as did, he could. Yeah, that was Shadow yes. the Scourge, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and, and bless. I mean, that was a funny one though, because obviously it was written by Paul. Um, and I, I, obviously I've known Sylvan Sophie for, for a while since, since survival. Um, Lovely, a lovely, lovely team, great team, and I felt really a bit like an interloper. I, I was, I was thinking, oh, of course, Paul wrote up, and he's really, really well. And I thought, oh my god, is this going to work? But actually, again, you know, which is why actually her character was so successful in the books. When you look at the dynamic between the three of them, I think that uh, that was very clever. Yeah, I, I think I attended that recording. Actually, I wasn't Wait directing. A no, I wasn't in it. I just came along because it was such a sort of momentous moment. Uh, well, it's now time, if you didn't know already, if you've not listened to this podcast before, it's now time for the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Unit's Brave New World, Seabird 1. Over. Seabird 1 to Seabird 2, come in, over. From Big Finish Productions... There's a bomb about to go off! Unit, Brave New World, Volume 1. Is that you, Brigadier Bambera? Brad, down! I'm going in! You're being recalled to Unit Central Control. What? No, I'm not done here. If the BSP made contact with alien life, I can assure you that we wouldn't keep quiet about it. I've seen some pretty freaky things in my time. But to this day, I really hate dealing with the woo-woo stuff. What the hell was that? We're about to have company! Damn it! Open fire! Don't let it touch you! It's deadly! But it's a butterfly! You people always reduce everything to monsters. Bughunt, Sergeant. A unit privilege. Activate the containment cage! You're my scientific advisor. You're expecting a twitchy little man with a clipboard. What did they promise you all, huh? Okay, who gave the cleaner alien tap? I won't have your delusional vendetta. Hold up our launch any longer. Enemy down! Oh. Leo, you know what you're doing. Me too. 
Big Finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type seabird into the search pane at the top to find this one. That's seabird, all one word. You just find lots of lovely pictures of seabirds. Seabirds. Oh. Seabird one. Well, Peter Nolan is a big oh. fan of seabird. Um, and you can find Peter Nolan at blogtohoo.com. And Peter says, um, as a window into the alternative, uh, into the alternate 1990s, where uh, Doctor Who didn't just survive but thrive to the extent of getting its own spin offs, Unit's Brave New World is almost heart achingly perfect. Oh. Audiences will have almost as much fun listening to it as the cast did making it. Uh, based on the extras nobody could have had more fun than them <laughs> and it's a world to which seabird one will leave you eager to make a return journey i, I imagine Ooh. that they heard a lot of laughter from angela bruce i can, <laughs> I can oh listen i've got a review here as well yes. uh this is from who-review.com said Seabird uh, 1 is a confident and exciting opener to the Brave New World series, competently introducing the three main characters who, thanks to great writing and strong performances from Angela Bruce, Alex Jordan and Yamisi Oyinloye, are compelling from the get-go. These central performances, alongside three strong scripts from Robert Valentine, Alison Winter and Alfie Shaw, makes this one of the most effective first box sets to any series I've heard from Big Finish. And I can't wait to hear where Visitants takes the series when it's released later this year. Recommended. Oh, that's, you know. that's very nice, that's isn't it? I, really I feel, good. I know, Benji, I know you didn't want to talk about Peter Nolan because explaining the whole Peter Nolan thing to Lisa would have just been so tortuous. <laughs> uh, we'll, I, we'll just I, park I, it I, there. Even though I'm not explaining it, she's still having difficulty and I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> it is the exact type of gag that, that Lisa would enjoy. No, that, I don't, I don't want her, no, no, I'm not, not like that. Anyway, uh, uh Matthew Kressel uh, says, uh, put together across three episodes and a little over as many hours, Brave New World Seabird 1 is a successful launch for the range, one which makes the most of this overlooked unit era, uh, delivering on the promise made in Battlefield. And with a second set, Visitations, I think it's Visitants, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, announced for December, there are more adventures to come with them. A brave new world indeed, says well, Matthew. Hey. Well done. No, I'll give you four <laughs> out of five because you got Visitations wrong. Oh, <laughs> mean. Well, on social media, Telos32 says, The Cold War is over, the millennium is fast approaching, and Brigadier Winfred Bambera is the new head of unit. Very good slice of 1990s unit. Nice. Excellent. And I've got one from at Justin underscore B Kunick. At Big Finish's unit Brave New World is outstanding! Exclamation mark. <gasps> Angela Bruce is perfect and brings bold, engaging personality in role and behind the scenes. Seabird One is filled with tremendous scripts, a talented cast and wilderness era stroke what should have been energy that results in a 10 out of 10. Well, wow. you can't say better than that, can you? No, you In can't. fact, I, I won't. Uh, next week, <laughs> the Good Review Guy will be investigating more reviews with Torchwood Restricted Items Archive Entries 031-049. Catchy title. Well, coming up soon, listeners' emails, more Bernie Summerfield and the Randomoid Selectatron. But first, let's go behind the scenes with this week's Doctor Who 
once and future release, Time Lord Immemorial. I'm Helen Goldwyn and I am the director of Time Lord Immemorial. Well, this is an epic episode, as the title would uh, make you assume. It is the Doctor and his crew have to stop all the universes from converging, as you do. It's always a bit of a problem when that happens. I'm Lisa McMullen and I'm the writer of Time Lord Immemorial. I feel a bit cheeky because to get to write one episode for the 60th anniversary is amazing, but to get to write two just feels <laughs> a little bit cheeky, a little bit naughty, but you're not going to say no, are you? So here we are. Well, I didn't have to uh, work too hard to get this cast together. I think I only had to bring in one additional cast member because we already had Chris in place, obviously, and Gina McKee was coming back as the Lumiat. And obviously we have David Warner as the alternate Doctor. And so we just had to find someone to be the eponymous Time Lord Immemorial. So for this one, I was allocated the Ninth Doctor, David Warner's alternative universe Doctor, which, I mean, to pair those two actors up, just, <laughs> that blew my mind. And then they give you Nicola Walker's Livchenka to throw into the mix and Gina McKee's The Lumiat, which was a treat because that was a, a character that I, I created. Um, and then I created a, a character for this episode called Time Lord Immemorial. And when I found out the casting for that, I nearly fell off my chair because they, they'd cast Robert Powell, who is iconic. Hello, I'm Gina McKee and I'm playing the Lumiat. Christopher Eccleston playing the Doctor. And I'm... Robert Powell, and I'm playing Time Lord Immemorial. Blimey. Livchenko. Do I know you? Oh, charming. I'm the Doctor. Uh, um. Oh, yeah, and so's he. Ish. Hello, Doctor. Remember me? No. So we were reuniting Chris Freckleston with Gina McKee, who were in that brilliant series, Our Friends in the North, years ago. 26 years, Gina? Yeah, it is. We did Our Friends in the North together. Yeah, 1995, I think, to 96 we shot it. That's right. It's an interesting thing about the Doctor. Is the, the worst thing that could happen to anybody. I mean, there is no worse curse than immortality, if one thinks about it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is mind-blowingly terrible mm. to be immortal. And I think that the great thing about the Doctor is that underneath, the thing that saves him are the people he meets. Just go to bigfinish.com and type immemorial, and I'm going to spell it for you because it's quite a quite a fun word, isn't it? <laughs> I-double-M-E-M-O-R-I-A-L. Slap that into the search pane at the top to find this latest 60th anniversary of Doctor Who release. And that's out this week. Right, well, it's time for... Listener's email. And if you can type the noise that Nicholas Briggs just made, um, I will send you a packet of Rolos. Um, but uh, you can send that in. I think you might have to send a few out, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I won't be sending out Rolos, but I will be buying a pack of Rolos and eating them myself. And uh, you can send that to podcast at bigfinish.com. It's as simple as that. That's what May Lewis did uh, with a subject here, a question 
and a novel adaption. Should be adaptation. Uh, it should be adaptation. Yeah, yeah, it is adaptation. Did you did you hear my voice sort of slightly question it? <laughs> yeah, Ever so, it's I was like, am I reading? I was like, am um, I reading this correctly? To be oh. fair, it will be it will be allowable soon because most people say it. Yeah, and I I wince every time somebody says it, including yes. one of my brothers. They say that, and I go, okay. But I, I wince when, when people get the fewer and, and less thing wrong. But oh, see, don't I, start me I, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> see, Lisa and I of a generation where things yeah, like that yeah, get on our skin. But uh, it's oppressive behaviour and we will it, no it, longer it, do it. it well, <laughs> it, I don't know. I, I read a review of an audio book I, I did uh, last year and uh, the only criticism it had was that I said Harris instead of harass. Oh. I am going to stick to a decent Harris, Harris if I need Harris. to. It's Harris. absolutely harassment. That, so this is all, this is all harassment stuff, because, of, because Frank of Frank Spencer. Frank Spencer. Thank you. <laughs> it's like we're the same person, Lisa, isn't it? We're just the same <laughs> old person with the same I, complaints. I don't quite know how to... Yeah, anyway, moving on. Well, the, the funniest thing about this is, is this is all all of this I've learnt, actually, from Nick, yes. believe it or not. And so Nick has very much cool. moulded me into this. And so now, you know, now I feel incredibly smug because most people of my generation... Don't say these things correctly. So now every time I'm there going, yeah, there are fewer things, you know, and people, you know, I feel that little, that slight sense of superiority. Victory, victory, um, victory. I'm afraid, I'm afraid the one, the one that I think I, I, I've, I've, I've given up with is yes. research. Uh, it's it's oh, very yeah, upsetting. Yeah. Every yes. time somebody gets research, it's like, oh, Yeah, that's true. I think I'm guilty of making that mistake <laughs> without <laughs> thinking. Anyway. I know. Oh. You see, that's the problem. It's become subliminal. Sorry, do you want to move on head. to the emails? My apologies. <laughs> Delay we'll dive in. Here emails. Go. Poor People old are May. Really Give her a break. In this podcast for the uh, for the irrelevancies. <laughs> All eyes on May now for yes, for, exactly. for the words being chosen. Um, <laughs> greetings to you both, Nick and Benji. I hope you and the extended Big Finish family are doing well. Uh, I think we are. Uh, for, yeah. First and foremost, I wanted to say how much I enjoyed listening to the Jago and Lightfoot range. Yay! Oh, perfect timing. Um, <laughs> I've just finished binging the entire series and now feel an empty hole in me. Aww. To fill it with more Aww. big finish. Uh, I missed the series completely when it first came out. I was only nine when the first series Aww. was created. I've loved getting to know Jago, Lightfoot, Ellie and Sergeant Quick, not to mention when Leela and the Sixth Doctor turned up. Uh, the series is so special to me and I can't thank you enough for its creation. Aww. Now, I have a quick question for both of you. If you had the opportunity to choose any supernatural creature for the Doctor to travel with as a companion, be it a ghost, uh, a vampire, a witch, or something even more extraordinary like a wendigo or a fairy, uh, which one would you choose and why? That's a great question, isn't it? Yeah. Should we answer that now before we get bogged down in the rest of the, the email? Yeah, it's a good idea. I've also, I would just mention that, uh, I think, Lisa, didn't you direct mm. all of Jago and Lightfoot? Uh, bar one, I didn't oh. direct Spirit, Spirit Trap. That was John Ainsworth, but I directed all the others. Wow. But how come John burst in? Is there some appalling reason we can't it, mention? <laughs> no, I think it was because it was it was early on in the series and because they'd written quite a big part for Ellie, I think they thought, oh, we'll get somebody else in to direct. And then yeah, obviously they realised, yeah, yeah I, I, I think they probably realised it was much cheaper if I just did both. So uh, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Saved a bus fare anyway. <laughs> Classic yeah. big finish. Saved a bus fare. Brilliant. <laughs> 
Yes, I say a, 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 a supernatural compound. I don't know what a Wendigo is. No, it's, it's a weird. It's it's a bit like similar to like Bigfoot and that. It's a sort of creature that uh, I think it's got a a missing link. A sort of it's it's got a sort of um, deer's head. It's Ooh. quite a quite well, a frightening thing. Well, you have to, you'd have I to Google it to then. see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like deer. I'm very fond of it. You know, when I went to Longleat, which is the um, you know safari park in uh, near Warminster in Wiltshire. Um, uh, my favourite bit, you know, obviously it was nice to see lions and tigers and bears, as they would say in the Wizard of Oz, uh, and elephants. Uh, but my favourite bit was when you got, I, I had a sort of, uh, we paid extra to have one of those sort of like VIP tours in, in the um, uh, zebra. This this boring anecdote is taking far too long and much longer than I anticipated. So apologies to everyone listening. Um, the, the, you know, the stripy Land Rover... <laughs> They stopped in the deer enclosure and we got to feed the deer by hand and they all came up and I'd never been that Aww. close to I lived in the New Forest as a kid and I'd never been yeah. that close to a deer and the things were eating off my hand and it was just the most thrilling moment. I, I loved it. Sorry. So that's why I want a Wendigo to be in the TARDIS because it's well, got a head Well, if you Googled like a, a Wendigo, I don't think you'd want to travel with that. <laughs> Believe you me. And if you held out your hand, I don't think it would be left. <laughs> Take it off right up to the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a ghost could be fun. I mean, if, if, if one believes in ghosts, I quite like the idea of a sort of shake, you know, like the classic stereotypical ghost of the, the Shakespearean with the rough. Oh, I think right. that could be that could be a really you know a really. I thought you were going to uh, say like a sheet his, over the head, like Scooby Doo. Oh, does he have his? Um, <laughs> would he have his uh, head under his arm so he could look around corners just in case there are monsters around the corner? What That's a great brilliant. idea! Yeah, you could you could just chuck him down the corridor and <laughs> just shout if there's any trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, hark! Um, <laughs> it's a bit like that poor chap in the in, in the TV series Ghosts. Which yes, I, love, I was yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Lisa, have you got a choice since we're being um, asked? Well, I, I, I think I'm with Benji on the ghost, actually. But um, actually, oh, blimey. No, okay. I, I think I've... Yeah, I, I think... Let me just have a look at her list again. Um, Vampire Witch... Uh, no ghost. I, th- I think ghost is a good one because it could also be a little bit invisible if it feels like it as well. So that yeah, would yeah, be useful. Yeah, yeah, good, good. There we go. Well, we had the great thing in the um, in the 1980s, didn't we? In the greatest show of the galaxy with, of course, Werewolf. Um, oh, yeah. Which is another, uh, you know, fun Max, supernatural. And we had her yeah. come back as a companion, didn't we? Yes, yes, yeah. we did. So, so we kind of that. Maybe we've almost ticked a box. Who knows? Well, it's a great question. Thanks, May. Uh, continuing on, I think there's more questions. Yeah. Uh, I also have a cheeky suggestion Ooh. for a big finished Doctor Who adaptation. Oh, adaptation! Oh, redeemed, oh, redeemed. You redeemed. See? <laughs> Uh, you well won done, your audience You've back. Repre- there's a reprieve. <laughs> reprieve. <laughs> Recently, I read the Doctor Who Missing Adventures novel, Goth Opera, hey. uh, written by the brilliant Paul Cornell. Um, it was simply fantastic and popped into my head as an ideal story for Big Finish to adapt for several reasons. Uh, one, Paul Cornell is undeniably awesome. Undeniably. Uh, Undeniably. Undeniably. Uh, and after listening Undeniably. to your genuinely fantastic adaptation of Dracula and its prequel, I know you guys can bring us some badass vamps. Um, 
goth opera delves into the Time Lord's history with vampires, which has also fascinated me, but sadly hasn't been fully explored. Um, the novel has so much to love, uh, suave Mancunian vampires, a crazy vampire baby, intriguing development between Tegan and Nyssa, I nearly said Tissa for some reason, just, nice. just conflated them both, uh, and of course more of the fifth Doctor. Not Nissan, because that's a car. <laughs> Nissa, the Doctor travels with Nissan, the, uh, the entire company. Um, <laughs> did you know fun fact just yeah. quickly yes. my mum my mum used to drive a really boring white Nissan Sunny yes. and um, and eventually after having it for years yes. she she sold it and yeah. um, this is about, fascinating i have this to say this is fascinating i promise you <laughs> and then on, three Three weeks later, there was a knock on the door, and there was a policeman there. Oh my god! And uh, he said, "Is that uh, are you the owner of this uh, white, the white Nissan Sunny?" Yeah. Um, my mum said, "Well, not anymore. Uh, I certainly was. I sold it the other day." And uh, it turns out it had been used as a getaway vehicle <gasps> uh, and had been ditched on the marshes. Uh, how incredible is that? But of course, the funniest thing is, it was the world's most boring car. Yeah. I mean, it was, there was nothing sens- <laughs> there was nothing sensational about That's it. That's called hiding in plain sight. That's what yeah, that is. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Ditched That's on the uh, marshes is uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, title of my next uh, thriller novel. I've just Ditched decided. On the, Ditched oh, actually, on the marshes. I've just written a thriller novel, so it's not my next one. Why is the challenge? <laughs> I'll do it this afternoon after lunch. <laughs> Knock it out, word processor. Just uh, type Peter it into Davidson. an AI and see what it comes up with. <laughs> Ditched on. I can do that for you. Yeah, I will yeah, do go that. On, go on, actually, go, go I'll go finish on, this email and oh, then okay. I will do it. Yeah. Um, Peter Davison, Sarah Sutton and Janet Fielding would absolutely rock this one. Uh, it's just a little suggestion, but I adore this story. And I would absolutely, I would be absolutely ecstatic to see it adapt in, in, in all its glory. What Thank you, as idea. always, for providing us with amazing content. The world of Doctor Who shines brightly. Thanks to Big Finish. Nice. Lisa, hey, if you read the next yeah. one and I will get I on the have. AI. Oh, I'll get right. on this AI and find it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, this is from Jonathan Kirk. And the subject is old podcast episodes and Big Finish Talks Back. Hi there, Nick and Benji. Uh, I hope you had a good week off a few weeks ago. I took the opportunity to do as you suggested and listened to an older Big Finish podcast in your absence. I went and found Benji's first appearance on the podcast where Benji had been brought on to be interviewed and also roped into co-hosting for an episode. It was really interesting to hear how, about how Benji came to Big Finish and hear you guys talk about sign de- sound design. Sign design. Sign design. I'm a sign designer. I say it. Terribly That's terribly anyway. posh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the hosting energy and chemistry between the two of you was there all the way back then. Oh. It was also interesting and strange to hear how much the podcast had changed. Oh. The listener emails. Is that right? Yeah. Music <laughs> as the podcast theme music. What? Exclamation mark. <laughs> question mark. You recorded together in person in the office and other people in the office getting annoyed by how much fun you were having and how far <laughs> off topic you were going. The random release was something Benji picked that he thought looked interesting. Different times. But it was very interesting and I'm glad you guys got a much deserved break. Uh, speaking of podcasts, I just found an interesting podcast called finish big that is going through all uh, oh i think that is is that joe's 
podcast finished paper, I, I think know. it is. Uh, yes, Joe, who I did an interview with recently. I think it is. Very oh, funny. Uh, that is going through all of Big Finish in release order, including all the obscure stuff that is out of print. I just listened to their episode on Big Finish Talks Back, the eighth Doctor Authors. This release was basically a writer's interview for the first two series of Paul McGann that would probably be a behind-the-scenes download extra or something that would come out with the series if it had come out today. Exactly. I was, uh, yeah, I was interested enough by what they were saying about this release, and I went to go buy the download. Imagine my horror when I found that it is not available as a download and it is out of print on CD. Is there any chance that this could be made available as a download from Jonathan Jack W. Kirk? Well, do you know, it was quite a shock to me that it wasn't available anymore. I don't know why it's not available anymore. There must be some obscure contractual reason or something. I did ask the question this morning after I read this email uh, and I haven't received an answer yet. So um, maybe... Maybe we'll get you an answer or just forget about it. And finally, uh, Adam <laughs> Graham says, uh, a subject line, Philip Hinchcliffe's overalls, audio dramas and figure skating. <laughs> just had to read this one out. Dear Nick and Benji. Uh, hello. Uh, I was listening to your podcast from September the 24th and Nick asked the question, if anyone in real life uses the phrase or word overall, or if it is, was only a word used by reviewers to sum up reviews. And I had to smile. You see, Lisa, every time someone says overall in a review, overall, we go, it's an overall (laughs) alert, you know. Um, (laughs) And sometimes it happens like three times in a review, you know. And you do, I don't, anyway, because last week I listened to Big Finish's release, Dalek's Genesis of Terror. By the way, this is a great release for the right listener. There you go. Uh, While I generally prefer full cast, I really appreciated the way Big Finish did this in giving us a chance to hear Terry Nation's creative voice and how he first envisioned the story. It gives insights into the creative process and you can really appreciate how the story we now know as Genesis of the Daleks came to be. However, to get back to the point, the release has one glaring flaw. In the included interview with Samira Ahmed and Philip Hinchcliffe, Mr. Hinchcliffe began a sentence evaluating an entire experience with overall and Nicholas Briggs didn't immediately appear wherever the interview was occurring to sound the overall alarm. On one hand, this debunked a popular but terrifying fan theory that Mr. Briggs has stunning powers that will allow him to appear in person to deliver the overall alarm when the forbidden word is spoken. On the other, I can forgive Mr. Briggs not transmatting to wherever the interview was held. I would at least expect it to be added in post. Uh, I did also want to chime in regarding sub 10 out of 10 reviews and offer my own perspective. You see, Lisa, every time someone puts 9.5 out of 10, we, we always say, where did we go wrong? <laughs> uh, anyway, often the question is asked with all the positives being stated, what's wrong with a release that's not 10 out of 10, uh, a 10 out of 10 review? Oftentimes the answer is nothing at all. There are certain areas where a perfect score merely means that all the acceptable parameters were met. (laughs) I'd love to write that as a review for something. (laughs) Just say, all the acceptable parameters parameters were met. met. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do quality assurance for telephone customer service and handed out many uh, 100% score where nothing impressive happened, but everything was handled competently with no scorable faults, even if the agent did nothing special. Uh, The difference with Big Finish is that what you put out is art. Can can someone frame that? 
which is not only more subjective, but a perfect rating is a reflection of not how there was nothing wrong, but rather how great it was. It's like scoring in figure skating, uh, hence the mention of figure skating in the subject line. To gain the highest score, the performance has to be more than very good. It has to be outstanding. I think 10 out of 10 stories are true masterpieces on television, film or on audio, and not every story can be. Wow, that's an outrageous assertion. <laughs> I will venture that there are less than 10 classic Who TV stories that were true 10 out of 10 stories. And Doctor Who fans can argue as to which those are. I mean, of course, it's all completely subjective, isn't it? I think as humans, humans, uh, if we're discerning, we spend a lot of our lives enjoying 7 out of 10 productions in all media. And that's fine says Adam. Not everything can be a masterpiece, says Adam. So many sevens are great comforts and fun to listen to. Eights are great and nines are very special indeed, but ten out of ten stuns you with its brilliance. It's like a blow to the head. That was me, not Adam saying that. And yes, this can be painful or hilarious, especially if you get a blow to the head. It reminds you of what greatness can be achieved in the art form and leaves you thinking about it long after it's concluded. And in my mind, only those few are 10 out of 10. Big Finish has turned out some great 10s over the years, but it's a very select group that hits that high mark. I'm always blown away when I find one, but enjoy so many stories that don't quite hit the high standard for a 10. Uh, doubtless others have a different perspective. I hope mine gets at least 7 out of 10. Best personal regards, Aww. Adam Graham. P.S. The title of your episode, Room Survivors, that was the name of the podcast, painted a picture of a crossover between the awful cult classic The Room and TV show Survivors. Uh, hi, Abby. Uh, just imagine. Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, I have to create really weird titles for the podcast because if the title isn't unique... Um, it, even though the date in the title is different, the podcast filters will revert to the previous version. So I did that once. I, I accidentally repeated a title and everyone said, we're getting the one from three years ago here. So um, that's why the, the podcast titles are getting more and more outlandish in, a, in an attempt to keep them unique is basically it. Um, right. Well, I'd like to say thanks for all the emails. More next week. Keep them coming. We love them. Would you like to hear what artificial intelligence has cooked up for Ditched on the Marshes? Yes. Go on then. Okay, so it says here, The 1970s in Bridport, England are not just a time of flared jeans and disco, they're also the setting for a series of chilling disappearances in the town's haunting marshlands. Uh, or marshlands. Journalists Sarah Thompson and Detective Inspector James Harlow are thrust into a world where ancient folklore and modern anxieties coalesce. As they navigate the misty terrain, the smoke-filled rooms of local pubs and the narrow aisles of buses driven by enigmatic conductors, they find solace in spicy Indian food and the complex themes of the film when eight bells toll. Now, and now, now the you've enigmatic given it more presence, information I've about me. i fed it some information. <laughs> it mentions the enigmatic presence of a cat named Bamboo. Um, <laughs> That's my cat. That's my cat called Bamboo. <laughs> Racing against time, they discover an old journal that may hold the key to the mystery. But as they inch closer to the truth, they confront the unsettling notion that the most terrifying monsters might be the ones lurking within themselves. 
Washed down with the bitter tang of local beer, Ditched on the Marshes is a gripping thriller that explores the boundaries of rationality and superstition. Set against the backdrop of a decade filled with change and uncertainty, the series is now in development for a TV adaptation starring Lisa Bauman as the lead. Um, there are some uh, great reviews here as well. Um, Mystery, Week- Mystery Weekly here says... Uh, Nicholas Briggs delivers a tale as murky and chilling as the Bridport marshes it explores. Spice up with cultural references. There are many marshes in Bridport, by the way. <laughs> and I feel Go Cat magazine says, uh, a tale not only grips the human soul, but also captures the feline spirit. Bamboo the cat adds a layer of enigma to this already compelling story. What did, Perfectly you, what did you write in as the prompt? Yeah. Um, I wrote in, uh, give me a synopsis for a thriller novel set in England, uh, specifically Bridport, ah. uh, Ditched on the Marshes, written by Nicholas Briggs. Include such things as Indian food, the film When Eight, <laughs> when eight Bells Toll, um, beer, uh, Lisa Bauman, and <laughs> and um, Indian food, and the cat called Bamboo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my Excellent. God. Thank you Can I that. just say, I, I, d- I did, I, I hope this isn't too personal to some people, one of the worst plays I've ever done was set on the marshes in Essex on a a hunting and I had to appear first of all in a smoking straw suit (laughs) covered completely (laughs) it was it was called Deadfall and I I, I told my friends to come and see Dreadfall because that's (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell you who was in it but I've got lots of anecdotes anyway that's beside the point (laughs) there's a movie called Deadfall starring Paul McGann you know Anyway, was that? I'm sure it wasn't as dreadful as Deadfall. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, I'm anyway, saying that. I don't know. Times. I've never seen it actually. <laughs> well, don't forget that there'll be a drama tease of Doctor Who Once and Future Time Lord Immemorial. But first, more about Bernice Summerfield. Lisa, do you have any moments or episodes that you particularly like to remember on this 25th anniversary of Benny? You have to remember I'm very old and it's been going a very long time. I can't specific moments. Um, Oh, no, 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 no. I I mean, every season there's either been something uh, brilliant or something I haven't got a clue what's going on. I literally turn (laughs) up and I say the words and I go, do it with conviction and I'll, you know, that's fine. Um, Who wrote those ones? I, I can't possibly say. <laughs> I can't possibly say. I don't. I, to be honest, I can't remember most of the time. Is that dreadful? Dreadful, dreadful. But um, we've had some fantastic casts over the years. I think mm. it's it's safe to say, um, and and it's uh, so lucky. Absolutely so lucky. Some of them have. I mean, just been marvellous. I I do uh, in terms of cast members. I, I do remember that the absolutely fabulous John Finmore coming in, sitting there going, "What on." earth is this well there's certainly the look on his face was what on earth is this all about and then um not dissimilar from miles jupp who um unfortunately i i, I lost my glasses during the, the my reading glasses during the course of the day and, and, and very kindly my enduring memory is, is miles jupp um trying to hunt for my glasses which i eventually found at the bottom of the dishwasher which was 
How did they get there? I have no idea how they got there. They must have been unusable after that if they'd been washed. No, 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 they were beautifully washed. Alternatively, you might have supervision. The words must have been coming out of the page. I know, I know. So that was fine and dandy. That's like Katie Manning territory to lose your glasses. Yes, especially finding that. So bless them that they were very sweet. I mean, you know, wonderful Sheila Reed playing my mother. I mean, just the kind of things. And also, I mean, let's be honest, my, 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 my late lamented beloved having an opportunity to work with him on on so many of the series latterly has been you know it's lovely can we mention his name then yeah, of course we can david warner yeah brilliant <laughs> lovely uh, so, much uh, missed much uh, missed. Uh, much, much missed much, obviously for obvious reasons and uh, but but g- just generally having great fun i can't i'm sorry not to be able to come up with more specific no, kind that's of moments, lovely, Lisa. You know. that that's lovely that's a beautiful summation <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you. I want. I just wanted to ask you a question when you were talking about fantastic actors, and I can't remember mm. her name. You got and and she. I remember you got her in for something, and it may not have even been Bernie Summerfield. And she was um, she'd she'd acted opposite Kenneth Moore and people like that. What was her name? Um, she'd been in all those classics. Oh, oh no, no, oh no, Muriel Pavlo. Are you thinking y- about yes. Muriel? Yeah. Oh, lovely Muriel. I knew Muriel, but uh, through uh, Denville Hall, which is yeah. um, just to explain as the actor's retirement home, which I've been involved with on and off uh, for about twenty years now. And she yeah. was initially on the um, on the committee, and she absolutely she was a rank say rank starlet. I think she's a bit more than that. She uh, acted opposite everybody in the fifties and sixties. The most delightful woman, absolutely brilliant. That was actually on the Sapphire and Steel. I, oh. I I pulled in all my contacts and also got Daphne Oxenford, who oh, was yes. if you're sitting oh. comfortably, then I'll be. Yeah, that's it. Listen Incredible. with mother. And uh, Ian Burford, who I knew, who'd been uh, used to be one of the regular guests on the Dave Allen shows. And it was it was one of those audios that you sit there and it was a very, I think it was one of my first directorial uh, jobs after um, Tomorrow People, which I'd started on. And um, dear old Nigel Fares dragged me in. And I thought, as, as ever, uh, to protect one, and I'm sure you agree with this, just get yourself a bloody good cast and sit back and let them do the job, basically. Yeah, and yeah. I remember listening. I mean, it was a wonderful, it was, uh, rem- not wasn't Remember Me, what was it called? Um, uh, oh, uh, Cruel Immortality, it was called. And I just remember sitting there listening, thinking, this is like the classiest Radio 4 drama <laughs> I have ever heard. And I was sitting there kind of, you know, listening to me, thinking, oh, this is great. It's coming. To- I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. And Muriel and Daphne and Ian. And it was, it was like, I, I think we should get more older actors in. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I, I do think, you know, the, the old generation are, are not being tapped enough on television. So let's bloody well tap them for audio because it's, no, it's think, crackers. Yeah, you know? And I just remember, I remember for some reason I was hanging around at that time and seeing her. I couldn't speak when I saw her. She's such, you know. <laughs> she was a legend, a yeah. proper legend. Yeah. And, and this is the extraordinary thing about Big Finish. And I have to say, I think we do have to take our... I'll hat off a little bit to, to, to David, to DW on this, yes. because, um, you know, once you start casting people and they have a good time and they know that they're respected and, and are treated well and mm. there's no, you know, too much pretentious rubbish going on and they come in and go, that was fun. And, you know, occasionally David would bump into his old and, and very well-established friends and they say, oh, we've been asked to do this funny kind. He said, and he'd always say, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, Big Finish. You always have a good time. He absolutely loved working uh, with Big yeah. Finish. And we got some cracking names on the back of actually starting to to 
to, to employ people yeah. who are that well established opposite, which is what I also love, people who've just left drama school. I mean, the opportunity yeah. for most young actors to work with people with that experience doesn't happen very often, especially in something more than a couple of lines, which you normally, you know, turn up with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, for that, for that, and, and that alone, I mean, in terms of casting, and I'm sure you're the same. You know, once Big Finish, you know, got, got a name for you know people having fun, yes. if not for remuneration, uh, should we say? That's live. That's live. Then you know, I'm, as far as casting is concerned, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop now. It's it's, it's like you know you can. Pick your favourite actors. Well, yeah, and, and you've go, got how some fantastic it, you know? uh, contents because, of course, you've spent a lot of your life taking photographs of actors as well. So, yes! well, our joke is that Lisa Bauman knows everyone. Well, Lisa <laughs> will know them. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, I know. I the just, amount, I just, amount of times I've heard that. I just yeah. point out that I've been around a long time. I mean, it's purely because <laughs> Sorry, I, no, and no, actually, no, I didn't mean it I, that way. No, no, no. I have been around a long time, but also, you know, I, I, I have taken a lot of photographs, and yeah. you do remember people, and and of course, you know, spotlight's very helpful. You can you know, stick in and, you know, I'll always say to people, for goodness sake, you know, stick some voice reel on because, you know, you never, I, I, I got in, um, I did Torchwood recently and uh, I knew the kind of people I had to cast and I, and I do go through Spotlight. I go through Spotlight religiously. Yes. Um, and not even people who are well-known, people I've never heard of, you know, you look at voice roles and one of the boys who came in said, how on earth did I get cast? I have no idea how I got cast. And I go, well, Spotlight. Well, like, do, do your work, you know, and, and you can generally tell within a couple of seconds whether somebody can do it or not. I'm totally with um, you. Yeah, I yeah, I just click can, it on and I hear almost like four words and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, um, they can do exactly it. Exactly the, the same. Yeah. Exactly. It's that, it's that simple. You know, yeah. you make sense. And the sense, opposite as well. Four words and you think, oh, no, no, thank you. I wanted to say uh, two things about David Warner, um, uh, which is that... Uh, him being involved in Big Finish really helped to make Tom Baker more at home with Big Finish. Yes. Because the the script the first script that featured David as Cuthbert was one of the first scripts I gave Tom. It wasn't the first one that was released. Uh, right. And he said, Well who I mean he'd already agreed to do he said, Well who are you gonna to get to play this character? And I said, Well I thought I'd ask David Warner and he went Really? And I thought and that changed and I thought, you yeah. can just get it, David Warner. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you heard David tell the anecdote. Uh, I don't know whether he said it publicly. Is that he, I think he was walking down Charing Cross Road once, um, you know, when all the bookshops were still open, and yes. uh, bumped into that's my email, ignore that ping, um, <laughs> and bumped into uh, Tom. And Tom just said, Oh my goodness, he said, Thank goodness I've agreed to do Big Fat because obviously, you know beforehand he wasn't keen he had at all. resisted and, it yeah uh, yes yes quite 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 volubly and um and he just said to david oh thank you so much I, i've just had a isn't it just the best time you know and and, and they were both you know extolling the praises and uh, it doesn't happen very often that that's pretty good going and so, when before DW. before david warner uh, knew you as well as he did <laughs> let's put it that way um he he had done uh what recording i think you were involved actually i think you were probably directing yeah, no, and uh, he, uh, and well, well, I can't remember what it was, but we were having was lunch. Taking, mm. Go on, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I first met David the year before, two years before, when I took the, the cover photographs of him and Susanna for, uh, uh, for Sapphire and Steel. Yeah, before I was involved at all, really. 
Well, we, we were um, we were sitting having lunch in a, in a pub that we used to have lunch in near the the, the old Moat Studios, and um, mm. he he said, "Who's in charge? Who's in charge here?" You know, in the way he did. And uh, I hope you don't mind my appalling impersonation <laughs> of your your late beloved. Um, and and I said, "Well, I suppose that's me." And he said, "I want a word with you." I went. Uh, Right, and I thought, God, important stars. Yeah. Let's come over here, and he sort of took me away from everyone else, and we stood behind a pillar. I thought everyone can still hear, and I thought he was going to say, "Give me a list of complaints or something." <laughs> he said, "I just want. I I really enjoy doing this. I want to do it all the time." <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. How, how? I said. He said, "How can we do that?" And I said, "Well, um, well, we'll just have a word with your agent." Then he said, "I want to do this every week." You know, and it was just oh, somebody was so it. aggressive yeah, about yeah, it. I really yeah, thought yeah. I was in the oh, doghouse. No. He, he he could come across as quite uh, grumpy when he was serious. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Kind of, well, where are we? Where are we going with this? Yeah. And I after know. I said that, <laughs> I, I, he was like, "Oh, good." And then just we just yeah, strolled yeah, yeah. back to the table. Oh, no. I mean, he would turn up if I was off to studio, and he wasn't. I would be under instruction to bring back some leftovers when we were still at Toby's, so, <laughs> uh, which was uh, and Toby, Toby, and he loved each other very, very much. And yes. Toby was always very accommodating, so you know those are the best days. And he would, he would just randomly turn up. I mean, there was once I think it was one of Nigel's. Um, Nigel Fair, uh, those so. one of those, yeah, one of those uh, extra um, ones that the um, the alternate dramas what were they called uh anyway we did one it was uh, jeffrey beaver's one and we needed oh, yes, a yeah. bit where it was like the end of the world and it had to be you know cacophony of bark and barking this and doing that and and um, nigel wanted him to do the little speech of um from the tempest you know prospero uh we are such things that dreams are made on and he went oh, i bloody hate that place <laughs> he hated it he'd actually eventually played it on radio but he hated them anyway he came in for about Two seconds just to do that. Of course, oh. it was magnificent. So you know, and, that's, uh, and the mean, person you were talking about there was Toby Hritzek uh, Robinson, that's who, it. who uh, was the sound engineer and owner of the Moat Studio. Still does yeah, loads still of sound, sound design. Still sound We're still working yeah. him uh, yeah. on, on uh, Torchwood with Toby. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's just done wonderful. some amazing oh. music for he a is, first Doctor he, adventure for me. I mean, just he's, stupendous. I can't wait to you know get to work. Yeah, he's a, he's he's a remarkable man anyway. I mean, he's got finger in every pie. Literally, yeah, he really has an incredible history. You want to sit down <laughs> oh. with him and talk about his adventures. Uh, anyway, but that's probably anyway. anyway, listen, folks, just go yeah. to bigfinish.com and type Summerfield into the search <laughs> pane at the top <laughs> to find all the releases in this great series. Thank you, Lisa. Huzzah. Thank you. Coming up soon, we'll be giving you that 15-minute drama tease of Time Lord Immemorial out this week. But first, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. Yes, I almost said it perfectly. Right, what have we got, Benji? Well, the machine has chosen 171 Doctor Who, The Seeds of War. Oh, Sorry, this... Colin oh, Baker I... and Bonnie Langford. Yes. Um, well, here, first of all, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Seeds of War. It's been hard. The last year especially. Rationing, riots. Delica's a no-go area. You shouldn't have risked it. <laughs> the military were going to be there. What could go wrong? The war was just a disturbance in the outer systems. We thought it'd be over in a few years. Why are you keeping the doctor locked up? He's not some common criminal, you know. What would you call a collaborator? Well, be nice knowing you! 
Ironic I survived the last years of the war just to get blown up by my own charges! It's too late! The whole thing's coming down! Run, man, run! You're sure, Doctor? Because you know we're already there. Inside your mind. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. And uh, the Seeds of War, the interesting history behind this is that I was writing it, I came up with the story, and it was one of those occasions where I was just snowed under so much with this that uh, David Richardson said, you're just going to go mad and you just can't, you know, you just can't find the time to do this. So he said, you give your story to another writer to write it up. And so that's why Matt Fitton and I have a joint credit on this, because the story was worked out in great detail by me, but I just didn't have the time. So Matt just took it and wrote a great script based on my story and probably solved... It doesn't matter how detailed your storyline is, there are always points where you think, oh, am I going to get out of this? So I'm sure he solved lots of problems along the way. Safe pair of hands is old Mr Fitton. Brilliant. Of course, directed by the fantastic Barnaby Edwards. Yes. Uh, with a great cast as well. We've got, uh, as well as Colin Baker and Bonnie Langford... Big Finish, uh, well, icons, I think, as well. Certainly regulars. John Banks and Beth Chalmers in there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also um, uh, David Sibley playing The Eminence. And The Eminence yes. was a sort of monster creation enemy I created for Big Finish. And we it permeated throughout various different ranges. And it, interestingly for me, but for no one else listening, so I'll say it very quickly, the first thing we did with The Eminence was uh, a Tom Baker story, but that wasn't released for some time. And all these other things that were done later came out first. And it eventually ended up in the Eighth Doctor range as well, where Matt Fitton weaved a, uh, a web of intrigue, let's put it that way. And He's a good weaver as our Fitton, isn't he? He is, he is. Okay, well, um, while Just I... Just have this memory of him weave, weaving baskets now for some reason, I don't know why. With a raffia base, yes. Yes, uh, 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 yes. Um, while I emailed Jackie Emery, content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection uh, so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website, whew, just like that, uh, Benjin Lisa, can you have an intellectual discussion about uh, how to get the 25% discount, please? Let's get on with that. Uh, um, Benji, you're the one with the info. How do you get a 25% discount? Well, you know, Lisa, it's, it's very simple, actually, and I hope you're, you know, I'll guide you through. Uh, Thank you. you just yes. head to bigfinish.com, which is, of course, the website. Is is uh, that a site that is web? That is indeed a site that is web. Um, once you're the, the World Wide Web, which uh, we don't Whoa. say enough these days, do we? Um, <laughs> head over to podcasts. It's on the menu at the top. Yes. Uh, when you're on the podcast page, there's a little picture of me and Nick, and a button next to it says "Read More." Read more. It's like, drink me. Do not and once you're on there, you see, drink me. A bit of Alice in Wonderland going on there. Um, uh, it says, just click here, once you're on that page, and enter the code BUCKUP. And that's BUCKUP. It's actually two words, but we've we've kind of slapped them into one. So it's B-U-C-K-U-P, all one word. And, and I tell you, Lisa, the thing is, you don't want to add yes. any punctuation. So although there's a full stop at the end there, yeah. don't yeah. add the full stop in. That, that will just be a disaster. Oh, um, no. So just oh, that, well, that'll offend all the grammar grammar geeks, geeks well, out there, won't it? It's, it's, it'll it's, cause it's chaos. Almost, yeah, it will. It will. There'll be books written about it. 
Oh dear, oh dear. But but once you but once you enter it in, um, you do get your discount twenty five percent off. It's worth it. Worth putting your principles on hold. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a great way to dive into new ranges you might not have checked out before. Uh, build up your collection, of course. Uh, of course. Or if you just, you know, if you're just feeling fruity and just think, oh, I fancy a, fancy a new audio drama today, I might just Thank check you. this one out. Thank you for that intellectual discussion. Uh, nice well, one, we, Ran. We As of now, next week's podcast is called Third Doctor Intelligence uh, because mm. it deals with the Third Doctor adventure Intelligence for War, which I had the pleasure of directing and doing the incidental music for. Just in case you didn't know. Incidentally. Incidentally. <laughs> it's just about my favourite job doing the incidental music for the Third Doctor Adventures. I just have the best time of my life. I just love Aww. it. And I, I, in fact, just want, I started sorting out music settings for the next Third Doctor Adventure, um, even though I haven't received the sound design yet. And that's how keen I am. If you just leave me alone for five minutes, I'll start doing third doctor music. He's there twiddling, twiddling a few knobs and uh, making lots of modulated sounds. Even the, and oh. together with writing a second doctor adventure and a first doctor adventure, I've got it's all piling up. And I, I pinch myself and thank my lucky stars for my job. Yay, yay. Well, in the meantime, it just remains for me to say. This edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs, with special guest star, Lisa Bauman. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. Yes, huge thanks to you, Lisa. Thank you. Lovely having you here. And of course, Benji, Lisa, and I did this for for Love love Stories. Stories. I'll just edit that together so it sounds like we said it at the same time. (laughs) And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who, Once and Future, Time Lord Immemorial, starring Christopher Eccleston and David Warner. The union, the union, got to find the union. But which union? Student, mothers, the intergalactic union of non-specified interplanetary androids and associated fish. The union has to be a place, a planet rich in psionic sand. Can't be many of them. Must be rarer than one of Dracula's stakes, sirloin or wooden. Extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Who are you? Who am I? I'm the bloke whose TARDIS you've just materialised inside. Who are you? And more to the point, well, not more to the point, adjacent to the point, how did you get in here? Your TARDIS? Mine, yeah. This is my TARDIS. And who might you be when you're at home? Oh, hang on, don't tell me. I'm the the doctor.
Is this sun lounger taken? Uh, no. It's right there. Oh, <laughs> very good. Absolutely top marks for titillation. Do you mind awfully if I sit here? Yeah. Oh, lovely. I do like to be beside the seaside. Do you? Sun, sea, and silence. Oh, my goodness gracious, where? Where what? The silence. I don't know. You seem to have put pay to it. Oh! <laughs> I see. That silence. Phew. You gave me quite a turn. And... relax. Trying my best. Although, uh, so sorry, <laughs> could I just trouble you to look up from your book for a moment? Only the tide's gone out. Don't blame it. <clears throat> oh, the sea was right there a minute ago. <clears throat> it's like the sand swallowed all the water. It must have been thirsty. The beach is bubbling. Is sand supposed to bubble like that? Mm. Slightly alarming, isn't it? And also a tiny bit thrilling. You know, I think perhaps we should clear the beach. Everybody, off the sand! Quick, quick, lickety-split! Looks as if the entire beach is coming to the boil. But it's cool to the touch. That's odd. The sun's hot. Why isn't the sand? It's positively pulsating. Sun's rising. Mounds of it. All over, like self-building sandcastles. Sand people. What have you done to my console room? This is my console room. You're trespassing. I'm blooming well not. You materialised inside my TARDIS. At least it was my TARDIS, but now look at it, it's all wrong. I think you'll find it was you who manifested inside my ship, claiming to be a future version of myself. Well, what's happening? Aha! That's more like it. Must have accidentally reset the console wallpaper. And I'm not a future you, I'd remember. You must be the later incarnation. Unless you're, you're from, from an alternate, alternate universe. universe. Or, or rather, you are. Smart, doesn't it? What was that? Degeneration. I don't think so. I may be a little frayed around the edges, but I don't think it's that bad. Not regeneration, degeneration. I've been regressing and then unregressing, sort of. Bouncing around from one incarnation to another, backwards, forwards, and now it looks like sideways. Sorry, has this not been happening to you? It has not. Count yourself lucky. I'm trying to work out how to stop it. The console's changing again. No, 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 no! So, if the console room is fluctuated between your TARDIS and mine, whose ship are we really in? And whose universe? What's that? Sand. It's pouring through the walls. It's forming a shape. Humanoid. A Sandman? Maybe. No, more like a golem. I think it's trying to say something. What's up, Sandy? Mouth a bit dry? Yep, got that. Anything else? The sands of time. What does that mean? Go on, spit it out. The sands of time. 
The sand people, they're formed of psionic silica. Everybody stay calm. Are they sentient? Uh, ish. They look like an army. And they're starting to march. Don't let them touch you. Why? What happens if they touch you? They force their way inside you through the mouth, the nose, like sand pours through an hourglass. Turn you into one of them from the inside out. <laughs> Nobody panic. This is horrific. We have to do something. I'm Liv, by the way. Chenka! I know. I'm the Lumiat. Would you mind terribly giving me a hand to save the multiverse? The sands of time are running out. Yeah, you mentioned that, but what does that mean? The sands of time. It's dissolving. No, it's rewinding. Time is rewinding. Quick, pass me that jar. I want to grab a sample before... It's gone. And yet you're still here. Or you are. Mind out the way. I managed to grab a few grains, and they're absolutely furious. The sand's psionic. Well, it can't be a coincidence. It came looking for me must be connected to the degeneration. Can you get a trace on its origins? Solaris Hexis. Shall we? Next! This is brutal. They're suffocating everyone. Not suffocating, cyanizing. Watch, as soon as they're full of silica, they turn to sand. Head for that beach hut. Which one? Pink and yellow. Sparkly. Like a rainbow threw up on a unicorn. <laughs> yes, that's my TARDIS. TARDIS? Silicon's at 10 o'clock. That's way past my bedtime. They're coming after us. Run! I am running. Run faster. Oh, they're gaining on us. Talk about quicksand. It's got me. And me. Oh, I really do apologize, Levchenko. This won't be at all pleasant. <laughs> Plumbing, heck. Oh, my. Oh my, it can't be. It is. It's the Hall of the Time Lord Immemorial. This is a place of legend in my universe. In every universe. The singularity where all time is kept. Every moment that ever was. Or ever will be. Here. Now. In this hall. Stupendous. But it, it can't be real, can it? It looks real enough. Mind you, so did that seven-foot marshmallow with the googly eyes on Alta Zeno. 
turned out to be a funny turn brought on by an underdone onlook. Hello, what's this? An earthquake? No, but the floor's moving. Shifting. It's sand. Psionic, probably. Sand golems incoming. Two of them. Handy for a square dance. I don't fancy yours much. They're disintegrating. No, hang on. There are people inside. <laughs> Do I know you? Oh, charming. I'm the doctor. Uh, um. Oh, yeah, and so's he. Ish. Hello, doctor. Remember me? No, not scuba. Wait, you're the doctor, and so's he. I know, like bosses. And sort of. He's more like a cheap knockoff, and if Time Lords fell off the back of a lorry, kind of a doctor. Do you mind? He means you're not from our universe. Hang on, how do you know that? Where are we? We were on the beach on Solaris Hexis. You're still there, kind of. But you're also in the Hall of the Time Lord Immemorial. Pulled here by the foot soldiers of the gods. The Silicons. The Sand People. Oh, why are you both looking at me like that? Who are you? Who are you? She's the Lumia. to alarm anyone, but the ground's trying to swallow me up. And me? It's like sinking sand. Not me. Or me. It's just you two. Uh, great. I feel so special. Uh, oh, you are, Doctor. You are. Do know you. How do I know you? Should we all reminisce later? We need some rope. There's a coil of a tracksuit thread in the console room. Not in my TARDIS. There isn't. Well, yes. Well, I generally agree with your whole non-violent approach. If you fight it, you'll sink faster. Try to relax. Uh, Doctor, I assure you, given our predicament, I am positively snoozing. How do I know you? The degeneration's messing with my mind again. Must be the fallout from Missy's experimental sap. Ah, yes. We have Rome! Sorry, Liv, too late. It was nice seeing you again. Doctor! Toodaloo! We're not dead then. Excellent. You all right? Whoever you are. Doctor, look. Look at the walls.
What's that noise? Right. So, in my universe, the Doctor usually saves the day. Any chance that's your MO too? It has been known. Okay, then. Thoughts? I'm thinking, where are the exits? Uh, uh, oh, there are none. No way in, no way out. Well, there is one way out. TARDIS? TARDIS! <sighs> in some sort of underground temple. A temporal temple. Doctor, look at the tableau carved into the walls. Oh, yeah. Hey, that one's moving. They all are. Moving? Whispering. These walls can talk. Fancy a chat? Look and listen closely, Doctor. Hello, you're new. Oh, I am not. I can assure you, I am eternal. Is that supposed to be impressive? Look at the pictures, Time Lord, and listen. Every picture tells a story, and every story needs a hero. It's me. It's my story. It's all me. Oh, well, bonjour, Monsieur Ego. Psionic celluloid. The movie in my mind, the tableau. They're tapping into my memories somehow and playing them out in silica. They're scenes from my life. Here. That's me as a child at the Academy. Once upon a Gallifrey. And here. The assassination in the Panopticon. And this. Axos, Androzani, the Time Controller. These are all scenes from my life. My lives. Big finish for the love of stories.